0: My name is Sister Prince. Today is October 15, 1989, and I am interviewing Henry Townsend for the Oral History Project of the History Museum at Forest Park. This information will also be used for the History of Black Music exhibit in February 1990. Henry Townsend is one of a handful of surviving blues recording artists from the Depression era. He has been a major musical force in in the St. Louis School of Blues. His distinctive work on both the piano and guitar epitomizes the pre-war blues style of St. Louis where he has lived for almost 60 years. Okay, Henry, um, let's begin at the beginning and when and where were you born?
1: Well, my birthplace is Shelby, Mississippi. That's where I was born. Mm-hmm. And when?
0: Oh, 1909, uh,
1: October 2, 27.
0: Okay. Um, <laughs> we have a grandchild, is that correct, <laughs> sitting with us. Um, who was in your family?
1: Well, who, who, my immediate family, like, yeah. you know me, my mother, father, and mm-hmm. so forth. Well, my mother's from Old media town, and my father's Allen Townsend, and there was two brothers, well, there was four of us, but, uh, but, uh, my sister, she, she, she didn't live too long after birth. So, the, the, the two, the three brothers, well, the three of us survived
0: let, let's let him sit right
1: over. You want to just sit next
0: to me? Mm-hmm. That's okay. Oh, he mad, that's fine. Well, he can sit there. Um, when did your, did, w- when did your interest in music begin?
1: I was about to, well, the interest in my music began when I was very small, uh, mm, I don't know the age, but I must not been even, four years old, three, between three and four I a uh, probably less than that. I was sleeping at home between my mother and dad, I remember that, because he, was, he played guitar and uh, not a whole lot, but he played accordion the most. The
0: co- accordion?
1: mm mm-hmm. And he, And uh, his friend was more or less the guitar player. Mm-hmm. But those sounds really moved me. I was just, just, just amazed at the sounds then. And as I grew up, well, it lived with me right along. Mm -hmm. So I became involved, like, trying to do something about it. I guess I must have been about fourteen, somewhere in that neighborhood, fourteen, fifteen, something
0: like that. And what did you do about
1: it? Well, uh, I tried very hard to get over to a guitar, and I wasn't too lucky. Sooner or later—
0: To get hold of a guitar?
1: Yeah, to get one to play. And sooner or later, it happened, and uh, I began playing the guitar. And of course, trying to play, and I had quite a bit of aid. I had a friend. Shut it down, just a Let me get okay. it. Okay. How did you get hold of the
0: guitar?
1: Well, that part we're gonna have to let go because I don't remember it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, then I went to play and I I went to try to play and a friend friend that I knew at the time, his name was Harry. I don't really know his last name because uh, we called him Dudlow, but his name was Harry something. And I knew him for years and that's all I ever know. And he played guitar fairly decent, he played about two good pieces. And he taken and and tried to teach me as much as he could. He did teach me quite a bit. And uh, it gave me a good start. And another associate of mine, even earlier than before I even had a guitar or anything, he was playing guitar. He was practically my age. And at that time, I was in Cairo, Illinois, but uh, he was living over here. And when I found that he was playing guitar real good. That that that's boosted my spirit towards it. So what I done then after I came over to Saint Louis, I, I seeked him out and found where he was living and got with him. His name was David Pushfield. And he was an extremely good guitar player.
0: Pershfield.
1: David Pershfield. Like Perchfish. Mm-hmm. That's where his name started. It is and um uh, So that was some of the things that inspired me to go ahead with this guitar thing. And uh, I uh, went as far as I could go with them guys, and I just branched out and started getting guys that had different style stuff, you know, and Mm -hmm. picked up as much as I could.
0: Uh, Let let me stop for a minute and ask you, were your parents either of them? did they do that for a living?
1: No. That was my, ju- That was my—my my, my father, that was just—harley could be called even a side-time hobby, because he didn't do it for mm-hmm. a—and not too much even for his pleasure.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So you—so you began seeking out other people. Was there a particular—how do you begin to learn the guitar?
1: Well, the number one thing to, to, to learn the guitar you've got to want to and as the word can double up say so you got to want to want to <laughs> really want to want to <laughs> really <laughs> so that's that's one of that's the major thing there because if you don't have the patience, it's impossible that holds true with anything and uh, it takes a lot of patience it takes a lot of patience to do that because you you, your anxiety is to accomplish what your aims is, and it doesn't come overnight. It's a long drawn out thing, it's step by step. Well, we put it in another phrase, it's inch by inch, or if you want to leave it smaller than that, because that's what it takes. You can't do. You can't develop into it. Some people are smart enough to develop into a good musician in a short period of time, but I can say Two or three years would be an extremely short time, and uh, it would take at least eight or ten years to kind of mellow into it.
0: Did the church have anything to do with No,
1: mine didn't come through that at all. I'm sure church had to do with it in the beginning, because I think that these sound we play is more or less, I don't know how to put it, but gospel and this stuff is real close relatives.
0: This stuff meaning blues?
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's real relatives, so I could say, yes, it had to do with it, but directly influencing me as such, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And school?
1: Regret to say, school had nothing, I, I, I didn't have it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. I didn't get a school at all. I, I, yeah, I did do a third grade school, so mm-hmm. that's all I did.
0: So the motivation really came mm-hmm. from... From yourself. From the,
1: yes, from myself. Yes.
0: Okay. And then the people you began to meet.
1: Right.
0: Okay. Now, now, where you're 14 and you're, uh, are you're a little past 14 and you've come to St. Louis?
1: Well, no, I was in St. Louis way before then. Okay. I was in St. Louis at the age of nine.
0: All right. So your family moved to St. Louis. No. No.
1: I came to St. Louis on my own. I left my family in Cairo, uh, avoiding being spanked at the age of nine, and uh, I came Do you
0: remember what you were going to be spanked for?
1: Yes. My cousin and I were blowing, playing games with one another, and uh, my mother, she dipped snuff, and it was an empty snuff box there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, this just shows what I'm say. It shows I how awful I was, and I was going to play a game on him, I knew enough tobacco was blowing your eyes, but I didn't stop to think when I blew it in his eyes, it was also in mine, and I did just that. And my father, he seeked the act. Of course, I got pretty much punishment from the blowing into the boxes as my cousin did, but then my father helped me responsible for it and told me he was going to spank me. And I knew he would keep his word, so <laughs> my opportunity when I got one was to move out. And so you did. I moved out, mm. and in uh, 1920, I don't know, 1927.
0: Henry, 21. you came here by
1: yourself. hmm And what did you do? Oh, Where
0: did you live? I, uh,
1: when I first came in, I, I lived right away i found some people that were willing to do something for me i didn't didn't consider that at that time but i found two boys Uh, one of them lived with the parent but i never got a chance to meet that parent and the other one was kind of like me but he's a little older than me well the one that lived with the parent was running with this older boy i don't know if you heard of his name was Earl Keys and he happened to be a relative to the richest black man was in St. Louis, Dr. Keyes, and uh, I didn't know that at that time, but I know now why he could offer me and the other boy so much and no problem, you know. Mm -hmm. I used to kind of think that the guy was light-handed or something, but it wasn't. Mm -hmm. It was his old man was desperate. And that was some of my survival, such as food and all that kind of thing. And he eventually got a place for us to stay. He also stayed there part-time, you know. He couldn't stay too long. And, but <coughs> he, he got a place for us to stay. And then the other boy got him a job working at uh, the at little show on Market Street. We used to call it Funky London. Funky London. Funky London, right across, right near Jefferson Avenue. Star Theater was on that side. And this little old theater was on Market Street on the north side, just before you get to Jefferson. And it was uh, inexpensive. You could go in there for a dime, you know. And uh, this boy obtained a job there. I guess he must have been about, at that time, he must have been about 14, 15
0: we're talking about 1918,
1: 19— Well, that must be in the, in the 20s, mm-hmm. early 20s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seemed like it would have been early 20s. But my dad never came here and somewhere in the 20s left of the 20s. I don't know what 20—no, it was the early 20s. I think they come in here about 22 or
0: three. So what'd you do with your time? How did
1: you spend your time? I, uh, got me a job working in a shine parlor, and, uh, this guy, too, was really helping me out, but I didn't, I didn't see it that way. I was working. I found out that, that it wasn't, he wasn't, it just wasn't a job for me, that he was doing this for his own sake and mine. He. He was selling alcohol and water in the back of the place. Whiskey. And the shoe shine parlor was the front. And that's what I was running, the shoe shine parlor. And I noticed later on, when I'd run out of shoe polish, he'd buy it and bring it there, and out would the to turn the money. He told me, no, you ain't made enough, just keep it. Well then, later on, I caught on to what was happening, you know. At that time, early part, I didn't know, you know what I mean. I was just being fair with my boss. My boss there would take the money. So I began to read between the lines, <laughs> but I still held on to the job, and mm-hmm. I survived off of that job for, or oh, at least two years. I was on that. That was run by a very used to be a very prominent man in the city of St. Louis. At that time, he wasn't so prominent. E. B. Coons. Coons. Mm-hmm. You no, know, he had undertaker. You know, and he was very prominent.
0: Is that with a C or a K. A
1: K. K. Mm-hmm. And uh.
0: Now on the side, at night, were you uh, playing music? Or?
1: No, 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 no. I hadn't got into the music. This is, see, we now we're talking about the nine-year-old boy coming out of Cairo up here. Mm-hmm. These are the times we're talking about now. I hadn't got to the music yet. I. When,
0: uh, when did you get the guitar? You said you oh, got it, but you can't remember how. Was that here? Or was that, it? Was here. Okay.
1: that was here. Okay. It was here. All all the rest of my life after I left home happened here, except times after things got settled down and my parents found where I was, and they come over here. Then I would go back and forwards to my, to the they home down there. See my 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 all of my people. My my grandfather was pretty well off old man too. He was president of Cairo Citizen Bank for a long spell and. He had a lot of property down there in Cairo, so I would go back as far as down there. You know, and, but I've considered St. Louis my home ever since ever since I came here, which would be somewhere in the, in the, in the, in the 20s, I guess. Early 20s, it had to be. Yeah, if you were born in 1909 and uh-huh.
0: you came here when you were nine. Yeah,
1: I know it was that, but I don't know. But I can remember some of the things.
0: It was really the late teens.
1: Yeah, well, somewhere in there, I know it was somewhere,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because my dad and him come in about 21 or 22.
0: Henry, what's your definition of blues?
1: Well, you know, I I hear a lot of people give it a lot of different things, but I guess it means a lo- different to different people. It it's called, you know, I think most people think the blues is more or less based on sad occasions, some great disappointment. I don't, I, don't, I don't give it that. I think blues is whatever you, a sound that you like to hear is one of the things that it is. It's just a sound, it's appreciated, uh, just like anything. It's just like you would distinguish, you prefer to hear a saxophone rather than, than, a, than, a, than a trumpet. You know, it's just, it doesn't make either one of them relative to no particular thing. It's just the, the feeling of appreciation of sounds. So you, the blues could be that as much, and they all can be a sad occasion too. It can be whatever you want to fit it into. I'm not going to try to put blues in no certain perspective because it's like everything else, just like people are people regardless, and, and a song is a song regardless. I don't think it deserves a certain special, uh, whatever you would call it, a certain special category that it have to be placed in to distinguish life different from other li- things in life. I don't think that. Number one, I would say jazz has a power to, to read, read out certain things. It, it, it doesn't. Our classics have the power to read out certain things. I don't think it does. I think it's just a sound. It's appreciated and uh i I, I think I, I hope I'm explaining that so that it can be understood what I'm trying to say is uh it, it can be used as something that's joyful
0: you n- you don't want to hold it in or tie it down.
1: No, to no in, in no special you know thing you know a lot of people do and they they classify it as uh is a, a kind of an occasion that's not pleasant, you know. But I don't think so. Uh, how
0: does it differ from,
1: from jazz? It don't. It's just a different sound, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. It's just a different sound. You know, I, I can give you a little, a little of my interpretive of history on that. Uh, I'm really sure that I'm a part of the people that built this jazz up, because what we used to do, and that's all jazz is, what I'm picking to mention is we used to get together different styles of uh, musicians with different styles and they would meet at certain places and they would have the instruments and they would just start playing. Nobody knew what the other one was going to play. It was just uh, uh, a session where everybody knew how to keep the instruments in tune and uh, they know when a riff was appropriate and when it wasn't. When a what? A riff we call it. What is a riff? A, a riff is, is a sound of music that most people would make from time to time regardless he if he's doing something and, and rather than to stay with a pattern they'll cue in on something whatever comes out of the mind and uh, we used to do that and it turned out and it kept being improved and improved until, all right, they named that a jazz style.
0: That's a jazz style?
1: That's the jazz style.
0: That's called Jam Session
1: type? That's right. That's the jazz style. That's what jazz originates from, the same pattern of blues we're talking about.
0: Well, now, can blues be done that way, or
1: is Sure, that? sure. That is blues done that way. Just different styles. People have different styles. Everybody plays a different style. Nobody plays exactly like and put that all together and let and uh, mangle that sound together with a up-temper to it, what do you got? Yes. That's all. You know, you find some guys that get on their instrument, I'd use a horn for a parable, and they or go, what? a horn, some kind or of maybe a clarinet, or something, and they go way out I've known to say some of the some of the musicians could go from the low middle seat to high seat. You know. Well, now the fact is, I don't I don't think even yet that that's even written on any paper that they could read from. That's just uh, whatever you call that out of the mind that they the creative type of a person. And he visualizes sound, and he just go ahead and do it.
0: Plays what he feels. That's
1: right, and I do that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. All right.
0: What What about, I want to know when you got your first instrument?
1: And well, when I got the first instrument, like I said, I was playing nothing. And those people helped me to go, to get forward in it. And I improved down through time, I, mean, I guess, I guess it must have took maybe four or five years. I was playing fairly good at, at, uh, out in public at about three years. That's why I said if you're really into it, you can come up to some kind of standing, Now, take care of the... Henry, uh it.
0: I read somewhere where you first played the harmonica, is that?
1: Correct. Now my brother and I, we got together and we used to entertain harmonica. Key. We would get two different harmonicas, keys, and we would play cross-key to one another, you know. But we'd be in the same tune, would we'd play cross-key, a lower and a higher octave or whatever we are doing. And uh we used to do a little entertaining that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Entertaining who? Oh, parties. Mm-hmm. Not
1: no big time stuff, you yeah. know what I mean. Was this in Cairo? No, this was here. Still here? Mm-hmm. Okay. He came,
0: this was when you, yeah, everybody my dad, moved? well
1: everybody had come in. I wasn't here a really long time before they came in, you know. But I stayed on my own. I never did return back home, per se, you know, to be supported by my family. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So you, you were worked, you, when you started with the guitar, you were still working at the shoeshine?
1: No, 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 no. All
0: right, move on for me and, and that was, together.
1: That was, that was, uh, I'd have to skip with you on these things some, because if we, if we go to, to this thing is, per se, like we, you know, like, kind of like you asked, and it would mm-hmm. take too long. It and
0: would, okay. And the
1: truth is, I'd have to ask for some money for that kind of a time put okay. into it, you know. All right. And, uh, you know, um, this is, I'm an
0: inquisitive sort, so I'd rather have you just say, stop, we can't get into that. Well,
1: I'm, I'm yeah, well, i That's fine. Yeah, well, I, that's what I'm doing Yeah, now. I
0: appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I, that's mm. fine with me. Uh, so just keep on stopping me, but I'll, I'll keep asking the questions. Yeah, I hear what instant. you're saying. Um, alright, then you, you're on, then let's get to the guitar and tell me, uh, how it progressed.
1: Well, the, the guitar, when I started playing the guitar, we do We'd do sounds up and down the street, uh, this fellow and I, and for the early part of my guitar playing. And uh, eventually, uh, downtown, I was in that neighborhood, and this particular man knew me, I guess, but seen me quite often, and I would go into the record store, because one of my idols in the music world then was Lonnie Johnson. And I would go into his record store to listen at a record, because I wasn't able to buy it. And he didn't resent it too much, because he had a sample that he played. And if I went into it, he would it for me. He got to know me, you know. And I was playing a little bit myself. So, some scout, and I'm kind of bringing this up, and Not, I'm not coming to regular channel, but I'm bringing it up, I think, I think, the kind of events, the major part of the events, this, this, outcome, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I, uh, happened to be in the neighborhood when one of the, the, uh, uh, what is it I'm trying to say, agent agent came through, and, uh, he asked this man, Sam Wolf, at a music shop on 13th and better and he asked him, To get some talent together for him, of course. Sam, knowing me, he right away, uh, you know, put me on his list. And at a later date, he called in some of the people that he had selected for to be heard by the scout, which was a Columbia man. And uh, (coughs) so they had the meeting, and we had a. Tried-out thing down at the music shop, and there was two of us selected. Is
0: this the Deluxe Music Shop?
1: No, no. Thirteenth and Little Deluxe was on Market Street, okay. or Jefferson. Well, near Jefferson in Market. His on Market near Jefferson. Okay. Uh, <coughs> that was Jesse Johnson. <coughs> Excuse <me>. So what? <coughs> so what happened was the scout. Selected two of us. There's quite a few of them. Selected two of us, and I was one of the two. The other was uh, I don't know I'm bad with names, Sylvester Palmer, and uh, In a few weeks or so we was Asked to go to Scargo to record. So that's the beginning of my recording And uh, of course we went there and I recorded four songs, which was two, seven, eights at that time, Mm -hmm. and um, I think they gave me some kind of money. It wasn't enough to get out of sight, (laughs) but it was something, you know, and at that time, me being a kid, it was okay with me. I didn't know any better, and uh, then later on I was called back to do four more songs. So I went back. Well, the same thing, because I didn't know no better, so I went on back. And I think to give me less that time than you did it first. Which is <laughs>
0: when you say you didn't know better, does that mean financially? Financially,
1: I didn't know better. What I, w- I was just glad, and, and right now I think of it in terms. Maybe it was all right. Uh, it wasn't really all right, but I mean, for what I wanted, maybe it served my purpose, because I wanted... The prestige, the, 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 you know, the fame and the respect from the people as a musician. Mm-hmm. And of course, I learned that and I got that, you know. But money-wise, <laughs> no, yeah. no. And uh, so then I didn't recall though for them anymore. I'm not sure if I was even invited again to recall. But
0: that label was?
1: To Columbia. To Columbia, mm-hmm. right. And at that time, I guess you know I, mean, I could guess and be almost true. I don't think it was any, any black, maybe one black male or less. I don't know if any, any, any black male was recording on that. You know, because it was, it was a segregated. You know, they hadn't just hadn't used no, no, no black.
0: So you felt pretty fortunate
1: to be, yeah, one were. of the face. You know, one of the face at least to be recording for them. I thought, I thought it was a milestone, you know.
0: And it gave you some status?
1: That's right, mm -hmm. Now, RCA had had a few in it, but Columbia did not.
0: And you had to go to Chicago to to record. There was nothing, was there anything going on here?
1: No, no. I'm sure they didn't have no studio here. Uh, the studio there was, of course, that would long stay in my mind forever. With address and everything. Yes, being the first time, excited as I was. What was it? Six sixty six Lake Shore Drive, mm-hmm. right on the lake. You know.
0: Did they treat you right?
1: Oh, as so far as being treated like a human, yes. Mm-hmm. But of course not, not when it comes to money. <laughs> well, did,
0: did anyone? You said you talked about Sam Wolf, and he was an agent, or? A,
1: yes, he 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 became an agent through this, this episode we talked about. He wasn't at first.
0: But did anybody that you knew here, anybody older, try and give you any pointers about the no. agent?
1: No. Was, no. I was totally in the dark all the way through.
0: All the way through?
1: All the way through all these episodes we talked okay. about. Totally in the dark. Only my knowledge is what was available to me.
0: Right. Now I'd like to go back and try and pick up on before the recording, where were you playing at
1: night and I thought we mentioned we were doing it up and down the streets.
0: Up and down the streets.
1: And that was all I, no club activities. No clubs. No, no club activities. At this time.
0: Just what do you mean then up, up and down the streets? Just out on the sidewalk? Out
1: road? on the sidewalk. We would we would gather gathering down out on the sidewalk. This is our sound and the police come up and disperse the crowds. And uh-huh. We'd go to another corner and do the same thing, and then occasionally we'd go in to give a little house party somewhere and employ us to play there, Mm -hmm. and we'd go in and play at a little house party, two-three dollars a night maybe, or something like that. That was a whole lot of money. All right,
0: and you picked up the piano then, right?
1: Well, that was later years now. Now we're dealing with the time that I'd already recorded quite a few, with a, quite a few people. I'd already recorded with uh, Roosevelt Sykes and uh, with guitar and that's how I come into the piano. Mm-hmm. Of course, he was a piano player and we done a little swap there.
2: Okay.
1: I taught him my expertise on the guitar and he gave me his on the piano.
0: Uh, I've got a list of people here that uh, I'm going to run them through you, and I, I know we're, they're probably from different times,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but might as well do it now, um, blues pianists, uh, somebody named Speckled Red, is that, mm-hmm. uh, you stop me when you have something to say about them.
1: Well, I, I, I know these people, uh, I probably know a percentage of what you're talking about, but uh, you well, can go they, ahead. Move if it. they
0: had anything to do with you or uh-huh. much to do with St. Louis music. Uh-huh. Uh, Henry Brown.
1: Yes, well now he was close associate. We'd we done some recording together. Uh-huh.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Sylvester Palmer, you m- mentioned him.
1: Uh-huh. You
0: admired him and you had that recording session. Is that no- the November 15th in 1929?
1: I think it was. Uh-huh. Sure it was.
0: And uh, Roosevelt Sykes, you teamed up and traveled with him? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Petey Wheatstraw?
1: I knew him. We would do, we've done a lot of local work together. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Barrelhouse, Buck McFarland? Uh-huh. Wesley uh, Wallace?
1: Mm-hmm. uh
0: Guitarist, or have I missed any?
1: Not that I know of yet. Uh,
0: guitarist, uh, Sylvester Clifford Gibson?
1: We played around quite a bit together.
0: Charlie Jordan?
1: You no, know, we're very, very well familiar with him. I used to go to his club once in a while, but never did do too much work with Charlie at okay. all.
0: J.D. Short?
1: Yes, we we never played together too much, but we played at, at the same club. Big Joe Williams? Yes, we played together. I've been recording with him. The what? Recording
0: now, uh, who who have I left off that might be?
1: If you're talking about the people in here, say, city, of St. Louis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I I don't I couldn't I'm sure that I couldn't think of anybody else.
0: Walter Davis.
1: Yes, well, of course. That's that's a long time associate of oh. mine.
0: About
1: eighty percent of his recordings, I was I was his backup man.
0: St. Louis, Jimmy.
1: We were old friends way before he started recording.
0: Blind Teddy Darby.
1: We were friends, but he was playing guitar when I met him.
0: Aaron Pinetop Sparks.
1: We recorded together. We made uh, a number that a lot of people made, and I'm trying to put some kind of a claim on it now. Every day I have the blues. That belongs to you and I. Think you'll get it? I don't know. It's, it's still loose, I'm sure. I don't think anybody tried to reach to get it. So if it's loose, I'll get it.
0: Mm-hmm. Lawrence, Papa, Eggshell, Casey?
1: Uh, not too much. I never associated too much with it. I never didn't know him too well.
0: Oscar Carter? No. And, uh, Henry Spaulding? Well,
1: you was a guitar picker, the barber. He used to be my barber. Yeah. Uh, we played together quite a bit.
0: Robert Nighthawk? What
1: is that? Yeah, we played together quite a bit. Too. Robert That's McCoy, Lee McCauley. McCoy. Robert Lee McCoy.
0: And Sonny Boy Williamson.
1: We we all done recordings together.
0: A Blues Session on November eleventh,
2: 1937.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that seems to be a famous one. Yeah. big one?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: what's it like at a recording session?
1: It's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's, uh, It can be weary with, with guys just nervous, you know, it can be real weary, but uh, with me— Weird or weary? Weary. 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 With me, it, it, it's a lot of fun because, uh, you know, I just enjoy, I enjoy working with guitar or piano, and it just turns out to be fun.
0: You, you have a good time. Yes.
1: I always did like to, whether it's music or not, I I always kind of like to put some kind of pleasure in whatever I was doing, you know. Mm -hmm. I find it keep it from being boring. It makes it much easier Mm -hmm. when you can get some kind of enjoyment out of it while you're doing it.
0: Um, how about the singers? Singers? You were a singer too. You are a singer.
1: Well, yeah, I've done some singing. It took a long time for me to want to come out with it. That's why I got quite a few songs is out there that I didn't do myself, you know, mm-hmm. as, as a writer, but, uh, then later years, I got up enough there to try to <laughs> sing right, some. Well, we're going to get to that. Uh, there's a Mary Johnson, and
0: Edith Johnson, an Alice Moore, and a Bessie Mae Smith, or all
1: those people. Yeah, I know all of those people. Edith Johnson, of course, as you probably have recorded, was Jesse Johnson's wife. And, um uh, Alice Moore, I didn't know, she, I don't think she was ever had married a husband or not. She died kind of a young lady, and, uh best amiss me if I don't know what ever happened to her, she went on to Chicago or something or something, disappeared from St. Louis. Now did they, they
0: had to go to Chicago also to be recorded?
1: Well, most of them had to go to Chicago. There was no recording studio here that, it, it was, you know, that, that handled that kind of a thing, I'm sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There were studios here, but I, I I don't think they would would handle that.
0: Somebody I read somewhere that it said that your your early guitar had sort of a country style. Is that? hmm How has your style changed?
1: Well, it's kind of hard for me to, to 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 tell, but I do know that some of the stuff that I was doing way back. Uh, I, I couldn't, I, I can't, I can't find it now to work with. I mean, it's just not there with me anymore. So that's all I know. It just faded out, I guess, as possibly the progress or something. I just okay. left that out of it, you know. So, you know, I look back at it and say, say it like this. When I, I was doing as best I could, but now that I know what I was doing, it wasn't sufficient for me. Mm-hmm. It didn't have, it was unique, but I guess that's what made it unique, because it wasn't a pattern of of, 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 of music that was totally accepted, it was just something that, I don't know how to put it, but it was a style that I, it was a, all a created thing, and I guess that's what made it unique. <laughs> so
0: and, and you just, it sounds as though you just play what you feel right and if as it changes it changes and
1: right because now since since i i've been working with different people it calls for a little more than that it calls for cues and and and, and an open ear to the fellow so that you can stay intact now like last night There were three of us playing together.
0: Oh, did you play in that? Mm
1: -hmm. Mm-hmm. I wasn't advertised when I was there. Oh. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: See, that's what I'm saying now. Sister, I had done last night, and I got a check in there for $300, sitting there. You See, well, everyone said, now, no money's been involved yet, so that's why I'm saying it's limited to how much I'm going to give you.
0: We're Unless you can about give me a
1: little piece of cake, yeah, <laughs>
0: for the sake of the tape, we're talking about playing. You tell, you say where where you played. Explain. Okay,
1: well, I played for what I don't know the name of it. It was uh, black
0: it was music. D- black Converse. music, yeah. Conference Converse.
1: of a dramatician of the Jonesboro case. That's what it was. And our background music is what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was three of us doing that. There was, uh, Yank Rachel, which they brought out of, uh, Indianapolis. He used
0: to be here, didn't he? Yes,
1: he used to be here. And, uh, Leroy Pearson, which you hear over, was that station out to Yeah. And, uh, myself. because I wasn't, in the beginning, considered because, you no, know, I hadn't, I hadn't been agreed to do so, you know. And uh, so that we done the, we done the little background set up for this thing. Okay.
0: So you really feel like
1: 300 was not very much? Mm, it wasn't a whole lot, but, I mean, I accepted it. Mm-hmm. If I accepted it, it had to be all right. I mean, that's what I said was all right, it's all right. Mm-hmm. Because I—it wasn't a lot of work. I didn't play ten minutes total, mm-hmm. you know about a half a minute, and then about maybe three quarters of a minute, and then a minute. And when it's all over, it, it, five minutes would have been—fifteen minutes, i say, would have been just about all I've done. Well, you can't ask for, no, for an arm and a leg for that.
0: So we've talked about, you have a particular sound, and how did it develop, and it it just—when you say you listen for other people's cues, has, has playing with— if you're playing the guitar and you're playing with the piano and uh, what else would you be playing with, a, a bass or whatever? Mm-hmm. Uh, has it changed, like a trio or a quartet, in the earlier days playing with somebody as it does today? Is it similar? Is it the well, same? No, it's about
1: the same thing. It's about the same thing playing with somebody. But when one played by themselves, it gives them more of a, a range to do whatever they chose to do without spoiling the sounds because they don't have to stay synchronized. Mm-hmm. They can, if they want to do 30 bars, they can go ahead and do 30 bars, it don't concern nobody but themselves. Mm-hmm. And unless they hit a, a note there that fouls the the, the, the the tonics that they're in, why well, they're okay. Mm-hmm. And nobody can say it's wrong because it's their own Creation.
0: Do you have a preference of being a single or solo or playing with
1: a group? Uh, in some cases, in some cases, some of the, some of the things that I uh, that I uh, that I want to hold private for myself, I have a preference.
0: That you want to hold private
1: for myself? Yeah, because I do certain things that nobody would be able to do with me. Mm-hmm. I do certain things that I got certain songs nobody would be able to do with me. The number that I do on the guitar K roll, wouldn't nobody be able to do that.
0: The song is called K roll.
1: K. Roll, yeah. Nobody would be able to do that on uh, on the piano or uh, even another guitar unless I was it was taught I'd have to teach them extremely. And then we would get crossed up because I never do it the same way every time myself. I stay with the same sounds but they placed in different places and the next time it, It'll come earlier, or later or what have you. So, <laughs> the different changes. So, it would be almost impossible.
0: I'd like to ask if there's any outside influences that have changed your style. Uh, are you aware of any? Some people get, you know, the social changes um, or this.
1: No, I don't know if any outside influences has changed me. Only my own thinking because I like a lot of musicians' things, and I, I like the sounds, and well, for instance, I like BB sounds and all that. But I'm just, I guess I'm one of the few people that played guitar that didn't reach out to do what he's doing.
2: Who's B.B.?
1: B.B. King. B.B.
2: King.
1: hmm He's, he's one of the renowned people now, you know, he's advertising Atlanta State Butter and all this kind of, he's a great blues man. And uh, the, most of the youngsters now is, are the middle age. When you hear them, you'll hear B.B. B. King and all these sounds, you know. Well, I'm one of the few that... I stayed with Henry. I had done some more creating sounds and what have you Yes, Still do it. But uh, I stayed with Henry. And my feeling puts me this way. If I'm executing are playing, and whatever, it depends on where I'm playing, well, it depends on quite a few things, but I can, I know my guitar, I know the neck of the guitar, and I know where I can, I know where the sound that I want is, simultaneously. I don't have to feel for it, watch for it, or try to find it, and if it comes up in here, I can pass it on, just like that, and if it, if I got the feeling there, you hear me perform real well, but if I'm not, then like anything else, you can't push yourself off the bridge if you don't want to go over there. So that's it.
0: Well, you explained that very well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Do you hear Henry sound in other people?
1: Yes. Yes, I hear it. Not often, but I hear it quite a bit. Uh, for instance, this young man we're talking about, Leroy Pearson. He's done a lot of copying for me, which I'm proud of.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> a compliment.
1: Know. And uh, I is a guy that's just done just done uh, one of my one of my numbers off of the album, John Mayall. He done one of one of my numbers off. The album. my wife sang it on on uh, Nighthawk label, and of course I have done it for RCA years ago. That's why I'm holding it. A proper copyright on it. Uh, he didn't know. He didn't do his research. He gave the copyright to somebody else. He he mentioned somebody else's name. I say. He said it was Walter Davis, but it wasn't. Walter was there with me when we made that. And he was it was a session that he was in, but it wasn't. Easy, it was mine. So it's plainly see, So I'm waiting on that to come through the market, to get in touch with John. See what he got for us.
0: Oh, that's good. <laughs> um. Was well, St. Louis
1: a good place to develop your music. Yes, St. Louis is a good place to develop music. Well, I could say just about anyway, if you really, if you really want to go for it, you can go ahead on for it. And, uh, wait, please. you could go for it and uh, concentrate on what you're doing yourself, see, you know, and the more silence you have in doing these kind of things, the better you can work yourself. <laughs> that yeah. See, to develop music, you have to you have to get into your own way, sanctuary or whatever. You have to get in your own place, and 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 concentrate on on doing what you want to do. If you hear, if I hear a sound, I'm not as apt to do it now as I used to be. If I hear a sound, just be sitting here and not thinking about it, and having to hear a sound, I get up and go get my instrument. And you hear
0: it in your head. Yeah.
1: I get up and go get some instrument. Then I run across that sound a time or two.
0: So you got it. Uh,
1: enough to for me to to hold it, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now that's a problem that I have holding something so I can repeat. I'm not able to do it. What do you mean? I hear something, I do it. Well, I can give you a better parable than that. I don't have a single album that I can play. A whole song also of my own stuff. I don't have a single song on all of my albums that I can play the whole song. Now you know, sometimes say, I just don't remember. Guys can oh. do their song and request to come back and sing it. I can.
0: not oh. Just a joke. To each, ask me. Each to... each one is unique because it's because it's the way you play at that time.
1: Yeah, yeah that's right. It's different.
0: Well, I liked what you said in. Uh, uh, Sweetheart and Blue in the book that some of these guys if, if the sheet music uh, blows off of them
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> They can't play the song. <laughs> kind of a
1: joke thing, but my wife was involved with that. You know, it's, it's kind of a thing about it. Yeah, you know so Of course some of the some of the sheet music people have up uh, that's more or less shams. You know, it's it's a classic act not not for real they rehearse the stuff, they get it down pat, they know where to come in at. Now a few people will sit there and, and if you're not familiar and, and sight read it all, but the majority of them don't bother about that too much. They probably stood it and after they get it pretty well pat, they know what they're doing. So it ain't, and uh, it's just, it's, it's kind of obsolete anyway. <laughs> See the ages come now. If you're doing something somebody else has already wrote, there's got to be a second of thing, ain't it? Mm-hmm. So, you uh,
0: you mean your type is obsolete? Your n- style?
1: No. Music reading is obsolete. Oh, okay. Absolutely. It's a waste of time for senior your kid, not really because it gives her, it gives the kid a more insight on what they trying to do in the music mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. But each musician that wants to get anywhere got to be creative. Not what that book said. What Beethoven wrote, blah 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 and he's gonna do Beethoven. That's been heard billions and billions of times. How well you can do it don't mean too much either. You gotta be creative like Beethoven was. How do you feel
0: about well, your educational background as far as was, was the street and the other people and picking up sounds Inside yourself, and it was all a personal kind of a thing. What about the people who go to school, who go to place like Juilliard, and they, you know, how do you feel about that kind of background? Well, uh,
1: that, that's fine. You know, I wish them in a day that I'd have been cultivated in the music field. It would have given me a greater, a greater advancement but not for to cite-read, it would have just given me um, quicker, I would have learned quicker about the relatives of, of notes in one another, you know what I mean? And how to build calls, I would have learned that all together quicker. But uh, for me using it for to back myself up in playing, it probably wouldn't have done me no good. i tell you why I say that. There is people that got all the knowledge that they can, uh, can be acquired in music. And they couldn't entertain five bullfrogs down on the river floor. But they got all of that stuff here, yeah. but it don't belong, they don't belong to the entertaining field. It's
0: theorizing it, not That feeling. is right.
1: So that's what I'm saying now. But see, the person is gifted to handle this kind of a thing already, and when he gets some music education, sure it gives him a great advantage. I'm not necessarily complaining or kicking on the uh the guys that write you know, songs and put their notes and all that mm-hmm. Man, i'm not kicking on that nobody could think be that stupid but the fact remains it's not what's in demand it's not what's in demand if somebody you've done a song and it's published and wrote and i want to do it sure i'd buy that sheet so that of like i could learn what you've done down there but you know as soon as i got it together you know what i would do
0: disarrange
1: it Put it right into mine.
0: Make it Henry's.
1: Yeah. I disarrange what you have there and put it to, to the way out there. Haven't you? <coughs> let me ask you a little question, kind of with an answer. You've heard songs that if you were doing it right there, you would have done something else. Well, that's what I'm saying. And be a lot of right there when, if I, I was doing somebody else. Take it apart. That, that I'd do something else, yeah. Uh,
0: why do you think so many the musicians have chosen to stay here.
1: Well, it's you mean, and and not take uh, uh, further movements for yourself? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just always liked St. Louis, and I went to Chicago. I come around there some. It just never pleased my fancy. So a lot of work was there, and opportunities were there. It just never did please my fancy. I just. Never could get myself adjusted to, to Chicago, because I figure if you're a musician, there must be somebody that like what you do, where you are. You don't have to go out of the world to get to it. But by the same token, you'll get a better opportunity where opportunities are. And I never did feel that I should have to go that far to do that, and I just stayed around you know. Um.
0: What are the professional? What have been the
1: professional opportunities here? Well, not too many that I know of in the music world. Not too many that I know of. of course, eventually I refused to move out of town for any purpose at all, and I brought some of the studios, some of the people here to do some of the recording. I think I'm. One among the few people who did that that caused them to start recording blues sounds in the city.
0: When did they
1: do that? Oh, back in the back in the fifties, I guess, maybe the late forties. I recorded in the fifties.
0: Do you remember who came here?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I'll be recording. Sam Chatters. Chatters. Sam Chatters. Mm-hmm. I think he's an England man, I think he's out of England somewhere.
0: Did you ever have an agent?
1: No, I never worked with agents. Never did. Um, Only. agent.
0: You want to tell me why? Well, they, the agents,
1: by the time... You see, I always wanted to be my own. And the minute you sign up with the agent, you're not telling them anymore. You move when you say move. And, uh, you... You, you'll have a range agreement, and he can give you a price range that don't suit your fancy at all. So you can't break your contract, you've got to move into it. Mm-hmm. And of course he's going to give you better contracts because he gets a percentage of it, but not always. He might be hunting him some glory with some other company too, and you're going to, you're going to be his tool to be for to get this. And uh, I, I'm not complaining on agencies, because agencies can keep you working, can keep you having more money than you would have in your pocket, but can work the hell out of you. Excuse the expression. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, I prefer to move when I want to move. And I know I can't join up with somebody and tell them what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do when they're going all out to get jobs for me. And I, they get a job and I say, no, I don't want that one. Now, see, that don't... You know, your contract won't have, allow that.
0: But he'd have
1: to, you'd have to take that one. Yes,
0: you'd have
1: to take it. Mm-hmm. You'd have to take you're, it. You're your own man. Yes. hmm mm-hmm. 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 And I, and of course now it's all, you know it's all, but I don't, I don't care if I don't hardly have anything to do now. But at that time, I was getting just about all the work that I needed. I was turning mm-hmm. down jobs then. Mm-hmm.
0: You're talking about 50s? For a few years.
1: 50s? Mm-hmm. No, I'm talking about the, the just the the seventies. Seventies. Yeah, the seventies on up. I was been turning down jobs for the last eighteen to twenty years. Uh, yeah, because I was I turned down I was turning down two three thousand dollar gigs in seventy because it was out of my range too far to go for that money and I didn't figure this was feasible and I was turning down jobs so I didn't need an agency and I know agency was sending people where I was invited for a whole lot less than that but I know I got a friend now that he's with an agent he don't mind it otherwise he don't have to stay with it but he's he's working like slave but he's he's making a reasonable amount of money very independent but he's just being
0: overworked
1: And Robert Lockwood. He's been overweight.
0: Henry, where did uh, the name Mule... uh, Henry James Townsend, but where'd that Mule come from? Well, that's a
1: nickname. Yes, nickname, and it it was... uh, My associates kind of built that name in on me. Kind of a guy that, uh, you know, I always was the fellow that if it wasn't the way that I thought it should be, I didn't hesitate to say it, yes or no. And if I said, like I tell these kids, yeah, when I say a thing, I really intend to say what I mean and to mean what I say. And I don't have no desire, after I've thought it over a third, I have no desire to change it unless they can bring me some awful, awful convincing. And we would talk about things, and I would think about it, reassess it, and I couldn't see what they said, and they'd want to do it this way, and I'd say no. So, and then they'd talk another three, four hours, and my mind would be going on to something else, trying to think it out, and they'd come back, I'd say no. they just call me the most stubborn guy, and they'd give mm-hmm. me a name that was stubborn animal.
0: Okay, I had to ask. Um, are you comfortable?
1: Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, what role did racism play? Well, I didn't encounter too much racism. You see, musicians, they somehow, I don't know, if they are known to the object that they were musicians, they kind of get them... What they would call a benefit of a doubt at that time, you know. I recall one incident: the guy, in know, was, uh, Sykes was doing a gig down in Little Rock, Arkansas. No, it wasn't Little Rock; it was uh, West Helena. And uh, people came in there. Some white people came in the black club, and uh, of course, you know, they had their tables set. Well, you know, not among the blacks. And uh, we were invited over to their table, <coughs> and uh, they had brought their own bottle of big whiskey. And of course, at that time they preferred to not to use none of the glasses that those black people were using. So they just had the bottle and buy no cups or nothing. So. They called us over and we sit down and he bust the cap on the bottle, And he said, he told his other friends, said, well now this boy here, talking about Loser, said he's from around here. That's the one that knew him, you know. He said, uh, he's not good enough for a white man, but he's too good for a nigger. And after a while he took him a drink out of the bottle in to past. The so Rodevelle mm, I mean, in the past one of his good friends, and back and forth in the past, passed to me. Well now, I sure didn't want to drink out of that bottle. I really didn't. <laughs> but I knew what it was going to get. It's going to get something started right there in that place, you know. So I went ahead and tanked the bottle up, and I drink. I didn't drink nothing else. And uh, then they went on with the conversation with Roosevelt, blah, 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 blah. They didn't know me, but they knew I was playing with them and they respected that part of it, and blah, 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 blah. So, them kind of incidents there, it, 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 it was a grand insult to me, but at that time, it was better that you didn't say nothing unless you wanted to get something started. And uh, then, before we was out of the state of Arkansas, We were arrested and put in jail for we don't know what for about now. Later on we find out that they had us accused of being somewhere and then stole some money and we wasn't even in the neighborhood of that place at all. So that could be proved so easily they had to drop it, but that's what they've done to us. I thought about that last night when they were dramatizing that, that Greensboro King
0: Scottsburg.
1: Yeah, Scottsburg, yeah. And uh, so we, we, well, the arresting officer snatched Roosevelt's hat off, dumped it all on the ground and everything like that. And of course, the, <coughs> the thing turned out real peculiar. Roosevelt's brother, Rufus, was already incarcerated. but. He was relieved from confinement and was working for the high shaft, driving the high shaft <laughs> It's a peculiar thing, but it happened. And when he found out that they had Roosevelt and I in there, he went to his boss and told him what had happened. His boss calls up and tells them to turn them people loose. And when Roosevelt did, he come to see it. And he asked Roosevelt, well, how was it treated? Roosevelt told him, he said, well, don't worry about it. Here's $20. Go on and get you a hat. So, you know, those things, there's an incident, something that probably never happened again, and probably happened quite a few people with people, a few times with people, but Racist at that time was very, very much standing way out, as you probably heard or know. It was standing way out. And, uh, but the musician could get away with it. He could mix and mangle. Why? That, I can't understand, I don't know. I just don't know, but he could.
0: Certain respect, a certain I,
1: status? I don't know, I, I, I thought of that a thousand ways and I haven't got anything that I would settle for. Why? No why's, I can't find the why.
0: Henry, would you be saying much different if if I were black? Was it harder
1: to talk to me about? Them? No, not me, not me. No, it's not hard to talk to me. Talk to nobody, because that's what, you're yeah, now, that's what you asked. Yeah.
0: No, if you were gonna.
1: black, I'd give it to them exactly like I'm giving it to you. It wouldn't matter. See, this don't matter with me. I, I'm the guy.